Hello and welcome to the Gambler Betting Podcast. I'm Selectabet and I'm joined for this special Scottish football edition of the podcast by my partner in crime, Greg Browning. How's it going, Greg? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Very well. Good, we'll be glad to get back to terra firma and be able to talk about some <laughs> Scottish football again and not to be uh, trying to pronounce some Belarusian and Norwegian players and team names for a change. No, looking forward to it. I think it's been a long four months and despite how good Belarus has been to us and Norway in terms of the lingo, I might get this right this week. So, <laughs> yeah, right, fingers crossed. <laughs> and we are delighted and privileged to be joined by Paul Petrie from the online bookie who specialises in Scottish football called mcbookie.com. It's great to have you with us, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Um, I don't know if you want to maybe take a wee minute to tell our audience about McBookie. We've got a fairly international audience, I think. Um, quite a lot of people listen from lots of different countries, um, so they may not be overly familiar with McBookie. So, uh, yeah, it'd be good to maybe give, your, give yourself a wee introduction, I suppose. Yeah, we've been going online for over 10 years now. We were originally set up to, to take advantage of the fact that a lot of the, the other UK firms really didn't tailor the markets towards the Scottish football. I think one of the key aspects for us was the the non-league, the junior football, which is very popular in Scotland. It was impossible to get a bet on online with any any of the UK firms. Some of the, the bookies did it in their shops, but none of them really did it online. None of the bookmakers did goal scorer markets, for example, in, in League One and League Two in Scotland. And again, we felt that there was a, a gap in the market to, to take advantage of that. So that's what we focus on mainly. It, it, it is Scottish Scottish football and Scottish sport that we, we look to, to, to take advantage of. As a website, we offer all markets, all sports. So it's not a case of saying, well, if you only want to bet on, on Scottish football, then, then the bookies for you. We do, we do tailor... The, the, the sports and the markets for for a, a, a gambling website as such. We've got the casino, yeah. we've got um, we've got everything available. But our number one focus is is Scottish football, um, and and it's great for podcasts like yourself to be focused on on it because again, I think a lot a lot of the times um, it, it's undervalued and, and perhaps not not enough people get involved in it. Yeah, and I think you highlight a good point. I think we spent a lot of time discussing Scottish football uh, last, well, last season as it is now. Um, obviously, we are based in Scotland, so it's a league that we're probably most passionate about, we're most knowledgeable knowledgeable about. Um, we've got access to lots of information about Scottish football more readily than anywhere else. And I think maybe why particularly Greg, has been successful is because we feel that we do have that edge over bookies who maybe don't take it quite as seriously from a betting point of view, um, considering just how popular A, football is in Scotland, but also betting on football is in Scotland. We just summed it out our mantle there, Paul. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's good. So from our point of view... I, I expect that McBookie will feature um, in some of the bets that we look at throughout the season. Um, so, as I say, it's great to have you on board. Huge knowledge of the Scottish game at all levels. So, um, really looking forward to recording this podcast and getting stuck in. We're going to have a look at the the season that's just gone past and what it might mean 
for the season ahead. We're going to have a look at who's been busy in the transfer market and have a look at some of the anti-post markets uh, around for the season, which starts on Saturday. And we'll have a wee look at the, the weekend games this weekend as well. So I guess we'd start at last season, Greg. And as I said earlier, we, we touched on Scottish football a lot. It was a profitable league for us, not just the Premier League, but also the lower leagues. Um, and we were hoping for more of the same this season. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, as you say, not just the Scottish Premiership, but I think the further down the leagues you go, I would say the more of an edge you've got. And that's especially true on um, the reserve football. So not sure when reserve football is going to restart. And I think Paul's sitting there quaking in his boots at the thought oh, of... A full-strength Dungeon United side are our way to Albion Rovers. <laughs> but no, there's, there's definitely value to be found throughout the leagues. Um, I, I guess for me, in the last season, we had some really cracking winners last season. A lot of consistent winners. And there was two or three go-to teams throughout the season. So we've got a tweet tonight from a, a gentleman called Tuco, who was just saying, um, hopefully Hibs um, will do what they did last season in terms of being the go-to team. And he was absolutely spot on. Hibs were the go-to team last season, um, from my betting perspective anyway, mainly because, and we'll touch upon it in a few minutes, but mainly because the sheer number of goals in Hibs games. I think we identified a few other sides in the leagues as well. I think Queen's Park, at the end of probably January time, they spent quite a lot of money in the transfer window in in January, which isn't something you'd expect Queen's Park to do. Um, So I think we'll speak about them as well. So it's about identifying those go-to teams and sticking with them. And yeah, that, Cove Rangers. Kind of yeah, work. Cove as well, exactly. exactly. Um, I think a lot of the bookies can underestimated Cove coming up um, from the, the Highland Leagues, which, you know, when they pretty much ran away with the league and they end up. Um, but we were on them from, from early early on. You know, we were still getting decent prices in those first few weeks. Um, and they were just rattling in the goals as well. So, yeah, I think it's really just about finding the edge and trying to trying to beat guys like Paul <laughs> to be honest <laughs> <laughs> although to be fair Paul's pretty pretty decent at pricing these markets up um, and you were, were talking pre-podcast there Paul about how you sometimes look at how other bookies are, are pricing markets up and just simply think they've got them wrong across Scotland a lot of the time yeah definitely I mean as, as Greg said there it's all about finding that edge and, and one of the edges on, on Scottish football is the less amount of time that the, the, the major bookmakers do put behind it and they put even less amount of time over the, the the lower leagues in Scotland, and then an even lesser amount of time on on the reserve football, and that in itself brings brings advantages for the punters. I mean, we actually don't price up the reserve football ourselves; we actually get that from a third party. So the the reserve football is a big dread for us because we hear all the rumours, we <laughs> see all the gambles starting, and, and unfortunately, we've got no real control over the prices. We've got to take a lot of the hit on it a lot of the times we will actually suspend a lot of those markets uh, a lot quicker than other bookmakers just purely because we don't want to be taking taking bets at the wrong prices that does upset a lot of our customers sometimes but we're able to go back to them and say look there's there's a bit of inconsistency with these these markets you're always waiting on team news the reserve football yeah, is, it's so all about team news isn't it all about the team news and unfortunately these bets start when everybody else has got the team news, but the bookmakers, the bookmakers don't. So a lot of the times, what we'll do is we'll suspend the market maybe for the first couple of hours of the the morning and wait until the team news comes in, and then 
lo and behold, you'll find that the, the market starts settling into the way that the gamble the gamble is started. Not that all these gambles end up end up coming to fruition, but no. you feel that if you've got the price, you'll eventually beat the bookmaker. Yeah, and I think the move as well away from under twenty one football certainly helped. I think the under twenty one league clubs are only allowed to play two or three first team players or players over obviously twenty one twenty two. Um, they then made it a reserve league, which meant sides could field as many first team players as they wanted. And that's probably where we got a lot of success last season, where teams were fielding five, six, seven and eight first-team players during the week. Yeah, again, all about team news. I mean, yeah, as, as you yeah. say, we, 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 we get our prices from a third party, and I've, I've not went into it with them in great deal of, of how they price up the, the particular markets, but I would love to find the person who actually prices up the very first tissue for <laughs> Scotland and, and maybe shake his hand and just get an idea of, of how he goes about it um, because some of the price changes and movements are just absolutely astonishing. You'll see teams at, like you say, Paul, 6 to 1, 7 to 1 going off at 4 to 5. I know. But you'll see teams at even money going off at 1 to 10. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just, it just baffles me who comes up with the original first price. Having said that, somebody baffles me who comes up with the original first price in the Premier League as well. Sometimes, well, uh, yeah, we'll, true. We'll come on. We'll come on to that in a minute because um, we've noticed a wee bit of uh, disparity in one of the prices. Certainly, that Greg wants to discuss further down the line that you're often compared to some other because, and I think that's probably credit to your knowledge of the Scottish game, maybe um, where you've probably got it priced more accurately. Um, in terms of the reserve team. Or the reserve league, we don't quite know how that's going to shape up in the new season just yet, so we'll just need to keep an eye out for any announcement on that um, in terms of when it might start and what kind of shape it's going to be in. Um, I think I'll chase that up, I think, next week. I'll make some yeah. phone calls and find out. <laughs> See what's what. So, just generally, Greg, do you want to give us a wee recap for people who are maybe not overly familiar with how things have kind of eventually panned out in Scotland um, towards the end of the season? Yeah, sure. So, for last season then, um, I won't go into it in too much detail. I think, as most of us will know, um, Celtic won their ninth title in a row, um, 13 points ahead of Rangers in the end, which is a really damning um, end of season view for Rangers, being 13 points behind. Looking at Rangers now, if you cast your mind back to what the 29th of December last year, I think Rangers had just beaten Celtic at Celtic Park. Wild celebrations from the Rangers' end, from all concerned at Rangers, including the manager. They've gone on the winter break and they've come back and like a shadow of the team, I think they won four of their next nine games post um, winter transfer window in January. They lost at Hearts 2-1, they drew with Aberdeen, drew with St Johnston. They lost the Kilmarnock away, but I think the most damning one was they lost at home to Hamilton 1-0 in a match they had to win. Yeah, and that was, and he, that was the night Celtic dropped their first points. Uh, since the winter break as well so that was a real opportunity for them to at least try and close the gap at that stage It was and in contrast to Celtic Celtic came back like an absolute machine they won their first eight games after the January shutdown eight games in a row they won and of the ten games they played from January onwards I think they won nine of ten yeah. and that's the difference and that was the mentality and that's the, the reason why Celtic went on to romp to 13 points lead come the what well before the end of the season finished with six games to go and that 13 points to be fair could have been more if the season finished could have easily been more and I think that mentality that Celtic have one 
the experience to get to that level consistently every season and they know what it takes to win matches and win championships. Yeah, and it'll be an interesting season for Stephen Gerrard ahead. I mean, I seem to remember after Rangers were knocked out of the, the Scottish Cup, there was certainly some doubt as to whether he would remain in the job. You know, he didn't sound like a, a guy who was going to be in it for the long haul at the time, but he's maybe needed the break, if you like, um, spot him a wee bit more time, maybe come back at it refreshed uh, for the challenge that lies ahead. I think, I might watch what I say here, but I think for, I think COVID was a, really helped Stephen Gerrard, to be fair. I think to be behind that much in terms of the points in the league, another season without a trophy, and now Celtic are now obviously on the verge of making it 10 in a row. And for those that follow Scottish football, will know how much that means to both, obviously, Celtic and to Rangers. Mm-hmm. But Rangers have spent money. Let's not, let's not beat about the bush here. They, they bought Kent, they bought Hadji. I think between the two of them, you're looking at, what, 11 to £12 million? Yeah, yeah. So the, the pressure is absolutely on Gerard this season to one win a trophy. But ask any Rangers fan, they have to stop 10 in a row. Um, yeah. But going by the markets, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. And on the field as well, it doesn't look great for Rangers. Yeah, they've got a tough start at the weekend as well. They're away to Aberdeen. We'll get to that shortly. Um, in terms of other teams in the league, Motherwell had a, a really good and surprising season. I guess, to finish third. Levy were also excellent as well to get a top six finish. Um, your own St. Johnson finished superbly, having been with the bottom of the table at the turn. Yeah, so we were kind of bottom end of November, started end December, of November, yeah. and we've then gone on a terrific run post-Christmas and ended up pipping Hibs um, to top six based on the average points. So that, that was always pleasing. But you, I must think have, you must have been torn, Greg, with a resource spot for Hibs last season. Um, verging on it, verging on it. I was a closet Hibs fan last season, based on the amount of times they won for us in the podcast. But I think Motherwell and Livingston um, both had fantastic seasons, both real surprise packages. Motherwell to finish well third. I don't think they would have finished third if we finished the season, but they definitely would have finished fourth. Uh, I think Steve Robertson Robinson done a great job there. I think this season they're looking really strong. I think Tony Watt will score goals. They've got Jake Hasty back. And they've got Polworth from Inverness. They look really strong, Motherwell. Uh, we'll speak yeah, about them that, in a minute. Would I find a tweet that you sent out last season about how Hibbs' top six finish was like picking money off of the, st- off the street? <laughs> you did see that. It's yeah. true. <laughs> so, unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> well, you certainly wouldn't have thought St. Johnson would be the one to pick them at the end, would you? No, definitely not. We went on a, a terrific run. Um, we were due to play Hibs on the Saturday, um, I think the day before the announcement was made on the Friday that um, all games were being postponed. So that would be an interesting match to see who won that match, because it would have been a kind of top six showdown to see who qualified for the top six. Ultimately, we played a game less, so our average points total was, was I think, a point better mm. <laughs> than Hibs. So we finished them um, top six. But in terms of um, the, the bottom clubs, looking at, um, well, in terms of Hibs at the moment, Hibs brought in Jack Ross. I think Jack Ross done a fairly good job, actually, since he came into the, the job at Hibs yeah. and definitely steadied the ship. Meanwhile, across the road in Edinburgh at Hearts, they brought in Daniel Stendhal and he essentially sunk the ship. I think it was a bit of a disastrous appointment for, for Hearts. And I know that's been really critical of Stendhal, but his record was appalling. He, he knew very little about Scottish football. And I think most of us sitting here watching from afar 
when Hearts announced Daniel Stendel as the Hearts manager, I think most of us were scratching our head going, this, this looks like an absolute bomb scare, this. And that's what it turned out to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just didn't really get a tune out of them at all, apart from two wins over Rangers. They just never really managed to build any momentum. Um, and had the league finished in uh, normal circumstances, you still wouldn't have backed Hearts to stay up. No, Hearts have been a, in a bit of a, a sorry state now for not, not just last season, for a good few seasons now. Like you say, they, they beat Rangers twice at home, once in the league and once in the Scottish Cup. But other than that, really dire. And when, when a, a club the size of Hearts with their budget, finishing bottom of the league or being bottom of the league is just, is this criminal? Shouldn't be happening. No, it shouldn't be happening. And that takes me on to Hamilton. Now, <laughs> Hamilton, as you all know, and you'll know this as well, Paul, Hamilton always get tipped to finish bottom of the league. And every single season, they put their two fingers up to us and they <laughs> stay up. So this is their seventh consecutive season in the top flight this year, which, to be fair to them, is absolutely outstanding. It is, when it's you, some record. When you consider clubs like Falkirk, Dundee, Patrick Thistle, could only dream of seven years in the top flight. Um, season on season, they, they battle hard, they work hard, and they always find something at the end of the season to stay up. Um, pretty sure there will be everyone's favourites again this season to go down and I, I can't disagree with that. I think it's really difficult now, especially given circumstances with Covid, smaller squads, smaller budgets, less money. It's going to be a real challenge for Hamilton next season, I think. Yeah, I'm curious from a bookie's point of view, Paul, is the relegation market something you take a lot of money on versus the outright market? Because the outright market is so dominated by Celtic and Rangers. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of in terms of singles, then that'll be a more popular market, mainly because of the fact that Celtic are such a short price. Obviously, now that Rangers are back in the, the top top league, and it does look more competitive, we're more likely to take Celtic and, and Rangers as singles as well. But in terms of the accumulators, more people are likely to put in the whether it be Celtic or Rangers into their into their accumulator for the for long term bets. I mean, just going back to the, the St. Johnson Pippin Hibs for the, the top six finish. I all mean, right, all right. Paul. <laughs> I mean, we'll obviously hopefully never ever have a situation like we did again um, for the end of last season. But I think for the next couple of years, punters are sadly going to be missing out on anti-post markets until the bookmakers forget about the bloody nose that they've, they've just had uh, mm. during the COVID-19 it was a disaster for us. And punters who, who feel like they've been hard done by on, on how these leagues were settled and uh, and feeling that bets should have been voided, bets should have been paid out. I mean, it was a very, very difficult situation for us uh, as, a, as a bookmaker. How do you settle these markets? None of the rules that you have in place take into consideration the, the fact that you would never, ever imagine a season not, not completing, completing fully. And, and, I, and I do think we had 50% of our customers happy and the other 50% basically closing down, saying they'll not be coming back, saying that we should be voiding their bets. So it was a very difficult situation for us. And you, you, you didn't know what was the, the best way, way of going about it. We felt we went about it the, the correct way. I think it would be unfair to say that you wouldn't pay out on Dundee United for the league, for example. Um, there is the argument of how close it was in, in League One between between Great Rovers and Falkirk, and you yeah. could understand 
how how people would say, oh well, it was unfair on on paying out on Ray, but our rules actually had it in the situation that we weren't paying out on the official winners. We were actually paying out on the the final league placings. Right. So that is it fair to say, Paul, that the bookies, in my view, I think the bookies came out of this looking quite good actually, in terms of the way they settled all the bets. That, that's because you're you're a punter who understands that when you're having a bet that it's that that risk that that you will you will on occasion lose. A consumer punter, which a lot of the the, the main high street punters are, they, they don't see it like that. And no. you could understand that mindset. You could understand that mindset. Is it fair that that I back Falkirk to win the league and and the whole season hasn't completed, so therefore I should I should get my my money back. And by the same nature, if someone had backed Wraith Rovers for the league and they hadn't been paid out, would would that have been fair? I mean, I yeah, received yeah. one I received one email saying that that we were we were a great bookmaker and that we showed great um, we we showed great um, integrity by settling a market. And then the very next email that we got in says that we we were a disgrace, <laughs> an absolutely worst bookmaker ever, and that we can conclude. And and that was what it was like. It was just and and, and you could understand it. But the point that that, um, that I was coming to was basically I think we won't just price up these markets a lot of these markets anymore because it, it's not worth the hassle. Mm. It's not worth the hassle for five or six bets to then have an argument at the end of the season of whether you should be settling as, as a winner or not. And obviously, as I say, that we hope that we'll never have a situation like like this again. But Who's to say there isn't going to be a second wave no. next season? What do you do in that circumstance, Paul? Is that a case of changing your T's and C's around those particular markets? Yeah, we, we've tightened up our terms and conditions now, basically saying we've not we've not actually put COVID-19 in the rules, but what we've basically said now, if the season is cancelled for any reason, then bets will still stand and will be determined on the final league position as determined by the, the, the governing, body. governing body. And if they don't give a final league's placings, then all bets are void. Um, we have, and we, that's fair enough, isn't it? That's fair enough. Yeah, I mean, we've had a situation in the junior, the non-league, where, where one of the regions um, issued winners of the league, but they didn't actually issue the finishing the positions of, of the table. And yeah. as it was, they ended up saying that there was joint winners because they didn't want to do it on the the points per average basis because they felt it was too tight. Now, the point, the difference between Falkirk and Wraith was the exact same difference between these two particular teams. Now, because they didn't do it on the points per average, we couldn't say who finished second or third in each league. Yeah. So therefore, we couldn't settle the market. Now, again, people were kicking off on that. Um, but a lot of other people were saying, well, yeah, that's the fairest thing to do because... I wanted my bet voided. And we were telling people that we were voiding the Rangers bets because the final league was was declared. But we were saying, but we're actually going to settle your Pollock bet as a loser because... And then they turned around to us and said, but there's no final league table. Mm-hmm. So was it, what we'd say is... It was a real, was a real a tricky bookie? one. Who'd be a bookie? <laughs> yeah, well, Exactly. So I do. So coming. So the main point there is, I do think that a lot of these markets now will they'll be limited on what what bookmakers are offering, um, which is unfortunate for the punter. But I think 
until we know, and especially in Scotland this season when there's only 26 games in the championship, and if, if obviously we hope it doesn't happen, but if there is a second wave and then it starts games getting changed again, it, it's you sort of you've got to you've got to be wary of what what you're doing. We we got asked for Player of the Year today. Now we bet on Player of the Year last season, and they decided they weren't going to give a trophy. There wasn't one. Had, That's right. We then had to go and void all their markets. So again, it's. It, it is such a tricky one, and that's why. And then, no one's even priced up Championship League One or League Two yet. No, because definitely not. It's too long to go, isn't there? Yeah, you're talking yeah. about two months away, and during that time, anything could happen. Exactly, and I think again that has a bearing on on the anti-post. I mean, at the moment, I think the only two leagues that are that are available are the English Premier League and um, the Scottish Premier League. Well, that, that that's not enough for people to do their their anti-post sackers, is it? No, and you can't even roll up. Uh, double in the same league I looked at potentially looking at Livingston to finish bottom six and Hibs top six Yeah, and that would have probably paid based on the odds above even money but obviously you can't do related leagues in the same yeah. bet sort of thing so yeah definitely definitely well we'll come on to we'll come on to some of the anti-post stuff in a minute um, we're going to have a wee look at Greg you've kind of looked into where you think teams are at for the season ahead um, it's not been it's not been the most active transfer window so far but there are some teams who have made some moves but there's also some teams who have maybe reduced their, their squad and taken the opportunity to cut some costs as well at this stage Yeah, I don't think any club maybe outside Rangers and Celtic um, can, can hide from that I think clubs this season will definitely be playing with much smaller squads so you'll tend to find that clubs have maybe 20 players instead of 24 there's not much in the way of any money being spent obviously in terms of transfers and with some clubs obviously furloughing players being really difficult to go and justify going out there and signing players Yeah. so I don't think many clubs have strengthened and I guess before we go into the league for next season and where I think teams are at, going back to Hibs and sorry if I keep going on about Hibs but <laughs> they, they were that good to us last season, I don't even want to think about the stats for Hibs last season in terms of the number of winners they gave us. But ultimately, last season, our go-to team on the podcast, especially at home, I think they had, was it, two clean sheets out of their 17 home games. I think they scored two or more goals in 11 of their home games. It was over 2.5 goals in 15 of their 17 home games. And what I really liked was, 10 sides went to Easter Road last season and scored two goals, two or more goals. So, I think defensively last season, Hibs are a real shambles last season defensively. But in attack, obviously at that point, uh, Christian Doidge finally got his scoring boots on, his shooting boots on. They had Scott Allen, they had Boyle, they had Horgan. They, they were a real threat going forward, Hibs, and they scored a lot of goals. But defensively, they were weak. So I'm really interested to see how Hibs shape up this season. I don't see that being any different. And I think having read a few comments from Hibs fans, they still look a bit shaky um, in centre defence. So it'll be yeah, interesting to see how they got on this season. They've added Kevin Nisbet. It'll be interesting to see how he does. He's got a, a really good scoring record um, in the Championship and in League One these last two seasons um, with Infermline and Wraith Rovers. So it'll be interesting to see if he can take a, a step up um, yeah. and provide the goals that, that they need. And it'll be good to see, obviously, he does make a step up. But that's probably the level we're at now in terms of the signings Hibs are making. They're signing players in the lower leagues. Um, there's not much money being spent. But I think Hibs have strengthened 
in the in in the window or in in, in the summertime. They've brought in this bit. They've brought in Dre Wright from St Johnston, and I think they've retained most of their squad from last season. So I think Jack Ross, with a proper kind of pre-season under his belt, I think Hibs next season can definitely finish top four. Um, and in terms of the league structure itself, obviously Celtic, uh, fun favourites to make it ten in a row. I think their shortest price is four to nine for Celtic. I think with some bookies wanted two elsewhere, and Rangers for me. Uh, will we'll play finish second. I can't see at the moment based on Rangers team. I still think on the park Celtic have got a better squad and a better team, and I think Celtic will win the league. And to be fair, I think most people would agree with that. Even Rangers fans deep down <laughs> may think um, to stop ten in a row it's a massive, massive ask. Again, from a betting point of view, Paul, <clears throat> do you see a lot of obviously fan loyalty? I, I suppose. Um, Certainly, as Rangers fans, there's a price there that makes them backable at two to one. Will you get a lot of money on that? Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, um, Rangers fans always backing themselves. Uh, I mean, at one point we actually had Rangers uh, as, as favourites after the beat selling in that that New Year's m- match. Really? And um, I mean, that was the first time that Rangers had been favourites for the league league in a long time, and a lot of it was based on our liabilities on them as well. Obviously, right. people are backing them at, at five to two, nine to four at the start of the season. As I said, no one's really backing Celtic at, at short prices and singles. Sure, they're in a lot of lot of accumulators, but we'll be taking a lot of uh, a lot of singles on Rangers. So there's there's obviously liabilities on 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 them as well. And and at that particular time, there was a lot of talk. The fact that the Rangers fans had just uh, they just beaten Celtic, so there was a lot of talk that, that, that this could be the year that they won the title. So that then encouraged encouraged more money on them. So yeah. so definitely, yeah. I would think if we're going to by the time the season starts on on Saturday, we'll have Rangers as a, as a biggest loser as such as as capable winners. I mean, it was that old adage when Leicester City won the league. The reason that there were such big liabilities is because of the price they were at the beginning of the season. We only need to take ten pound on on Hamilton or St Mirren, and then all of a sudden they will be they will be our biggest liabilities. But it'll be a big big shock if, if they went on to win the league. So in terms of the teams that are likely to win the league, there was a time a couple of years ago when Aberdeen were were running close in the the, the, the Premier League, and whilst yeah. it was unlikely that they would they would go on to win it. I mean, our liabilities on them were were pretty high, and we were thinking to ourselves, well, we actually hope. That they don't go too close. <laughs> nervous, nervous end, end to the season. Um, and again, you start bringing your price down to them, and you, so you send out a tweet or a press release to say Aberdeen are now six to one for the title, and you you feel a little bit embarrassed by sending out that because <laughs> you, you know that you know the the responses that you're going to get. It's uh, oh, you're missing a couple of zeros from that price sort of thing. But, well, I'll be honest, I, I was a bit embarrassed when I saw sixty-six to one for Aberdeen to win the league. Uh, I post. I still think there's a couple of zeros missing on that from all bookies. <laughs> well, you can imagine when there were six to one, Greg, what the, the, the feedback on that was. Again, a lot of the times you've got to remember the bookmakers have got liabilities on, of course, on on, on these on these teams. So, and then again, if, if six to one for Aberdeen, that means that Celtic or whoever whoever their competitors were would be would be a shorter a price. A, yeah, decent price. Yeah, so. I always find that funny when somebody says that's a rubbish price. Well, going back to the other selection then, which must be an absolute cracking <laughs> price. 
So I think that covers the, the top two. I don't think that's up for debate, so I won't labour that point too much. I think in terms of me, it's going to be a league of four mini leagues. So obviously Rangers Celtic is the first league. Um, there's obviously a fight for third and fourth. Now, again, every season it usually comes down to the size of club. Aberdeen have been there, done it every season now for what the last seven or eight seasons especially since Rangers went down and come back up. They've maintained that consistency. I think Derek McInnes gets a bit of a hard time, I think, from Aberdeen fans. I think Aberdeen fans probably need to remember Aberdeen are fighting against the Rangers side who've got resources 10, 15, 20 times what they've got. So I think to consistently finish second and third and qualify for Europe is probably what Aberdeen expect to be. They've brought Johnny Hayes back from Celtic which will be a good addition. I don't think they've lost many players Aberdeen, so I think they've retained the core of their squad from last season. They've obviously got Sam Cosgrove, who went on a rich scoring streak um, last season. Interesting to see again, with COVID coming along, I don't think the Scottish clubs are going to lose any players down south at any time soon. Certainly not to any size of League 1 or League 2 anyway. So they've retained Cosgrove. I think Aberdeen looks strong again for that kind of top three, top four. I don't think they'll be anywhere near Rangers or Celtic again, like last season. But I do think Hibs have improved and strengthened slightly in the summertime. I think it was a really disappointing season last year for Hibs to finish where they finished. Um, obviously, Jack Ross came in, done quite a good job, to be fair to him. And I think Hibs fans' expectations this season has got to be no lower than fourth, with no hearts in the league. It'd be a disappointing season for either side here, if they finished outside the top three or four. Yeah, I mean, I like Jack Ross as a manager. I think he's had a tough time at Sunderland, obviously, but I think he had a a very good record here north of the border before he went down there. Um, And maybe with a a summer, albeit a a slightly different summer transfer window to what we'd normally have. Um, But given the opportunity to bring some players in, I think we might, might see the benefits of the couple of months, or sorry, the season that he had last season at Hibs um, and see some of his plans, I suppose, for the club coming to fruition this year. Um, you talk about their defence and how poor it was last year. I see they've added uh, Gogic from Hamilton, um, who I always thought was, was a pretty strong, sturdy uh, defender. So he might add something to that back line that's, that's badly needed. Um, so it'll be interesting uh, looking at the, the prices without Celtic and Rangers. Aberdeen are 11-10. to 10. Uh, Hibs are 72 and Motherwell are 6-1 to one. Yeah, I think Aberdeen are fairly um, favourites to, to win that market um, especially based on the fact they've been there, done it over the course of what, seven or eight seasons now um, I think Hibs are a decent price actually at 72 but they, they really need to tighten up defensively um, and, and unless that happens I, I don't think Hibs can finish it any higher than fourth but I think in terms of Hibs themselves I think there's a buzz about Hibs at the moment on and off the field. I think they're looking in good shape off the field. I think, what, 10,000 season ticket sales now? Now, don't get me wrong, I appreciate it. They can't go to the games yet, but I think they're in a good place, Hibs. I think there'll be a fascinating fight between Aberdeen and Hibs to finish uh, to finish third. Any so thoughts that, on that, Paul? I mean, we're actually 11-4 Hibs, so, I mean, if I was going to be backing anyone for, for this particular market, it, it would be Hibs. 
I mean, I know Greg just said there that Aberdeen have held on to Cosgrove. Well, actually, Aberdeen accepted a bid for him by, I think it was a French team, and, and he decided against it. So I think, I think whilst they might not be losing players to League One and League Two clubs, I think that there's teams in Europe and, and maybe even the Championship. I mean, Livingston obviously had a great season last season. Lyndon Dykes was their main man. Clubs already made a bid for a million pounds for, for him. I don't think these Scottish clubs could be afforded to be knocking back any transfer fees for players at the moment. Any no, money, no, get. especially Livingston. A million pounds to Livingston's yeah, jackpot. Yeah, and so any any money they could get in this time um, would would be great for them. So I think I think it's all very well looking at the squads now and thinking, yeah, they've they've got a chance uh, to go far the season. I think yeah. by the time the transfer window ends, and I know that is still a while away, so you've got a chance to, to change your bets and uh, and get your books sorted out a little bit more. But I think a lot of these teams will be completely different from what they are at the, the start of the season. I mean, the main one is obviously Morales at, at Rangers. I mean, we've priced up top goal scorer and left him out at the moment because it, it looks like he's going to be away. I mean, imagine going into the first game of the season looking like you're losing your top, your, your top striker and... And so far, it doesn't look like they've got a, a replacement lined up, but they must they must have somebody lined up because it would be a very strange move to, to let them go. But it may be three, four weeks into the season until until they've got they've got a replacement in. So I still think that that there's a lot of lot of changes to be made in all these teams, and I, and I'm, unless something dramatically happens in the first couple of games, I think this market will stay pretty solid for for a, for, for for the first month of the season. Yeah, and I agree with that. You'll probably get around the same price on on each of these selections in a month's time, and I think you'll have a better idea of the squads by then um, to, to give you a better chance of knowing knowing where where the money's going to go. And in terms yeah. of side spending money, you're not expecting any sides outside of the top two and Hibs and Aberdeen anyway spending cash. Yeah, the rest of the clubs will be bringing in guys on free transfers and loan deals from England, so uh, there won't be much money being spent. But that kind of covers the top two tables I've been speaking about. I guess what's really fascinating for me is that top six. For me, there's two top six places left. So Motherwell and Livingston obviously finished top six last season. I think Motherwell looked really strong this year so far from what I've seen. Tony Watt was at St Johnston, and although a lot of St Johnston fans weren't that fuss for him, I thought he'd done well for us, and I think he can score goals next season for Motherwell. They brought Jake Hasty back from Rangers, who, in my opinion left way too early to go to Rangers. I think he was on loan, potentially at Stenhouse Muir, might be wrong. Came back, probably played a dozen games for Motherwell. Played really well, and he left. So I think it's a good thing for Motherwell getting him back. They've got Turnbull back from injury. Campbell in the middle looks good. They've got Polworth, they've got Donnelly. Uh, I think I think they look really strong, Motherwell. So I think that's reflected in the fact they're 1-2 to two to finish in the top six. So I do fancy Motherwell to finish top six. So what that means is there's essentially one place left for that final top six place. Now, St Johnston, you can't rule them out. I think we've got a decent squad. I think Tommy Light left us in really good shape. We've brought in Callum Davidson. Um, we've brought Stephen McLean back as number two. We've got a really young squad as well, but I, I think we're in decent shape as well this season. I think if we can bring in another couple of players... I think we should definitely be fighting for top six come the last game before the split. And you've then got Kilmarnock and Livingston. I think as you said, Paul, if Livingston can keep Lyndon Dykes, that would be massive for them. If they lose him, though, it would be a real struggle. 
and I think last season as well, a lot was made about Livingston's home form on that monstrosity of a plastic pitch. But it <laughs> but it worked for them, and they, they collected 28 points out of 39 at home. I think they have the third best home record in the league behind Rangers and Celtic. So their home form will be key to Livingston uh, next season. And in terms of Kilmarnock, I spoke to a few Kilmarnock fans during the week. They've got a decent enough starting 11 there. I do think they'll lack goals, though. They'll probably be hard to break down. And I think um, they'll just continue from when Steve Clark left off and around not conceding goals. But it's probably that middle of the park for Kilmarnock. Can they get that kind of free player in? Somebody will open up defences. And are they relying on Brophy again to score the goals? And you've got the unknown Dungeon United. Really don't have a clue how they're going to do next season, Dungeon United. Obviously, they've got Shankland, who was a podcast favourite, wasn't yeah. he, last season? Yeah. <laughs> um, scoring goals in the Championship um, for both Ayr. Then he obviously moved to United. So you'd expect him to score goals. But again, I'm not... I'm not sure yet how they'll settle in United. I don't think they'll struggle in terms of going down. Um, but there's question marks about can they compete with Motherwell, St Johnston, Kilmarnock, kind of Livingston for that top six place. I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think they're really just going to be keen to stay in the division, aren't they? That's going to be their target for the season. And then they can start building on that, I would think. Um, and there's also the Mickey Mellon factor. We just don't know what this guy's going to bring to Scottish football either. I must admit, when I found out he got the job, my response was Mickey who? <laughs> that's, your, that's your lack of uh, lower league English football showing up there. Yes, I If it was lower league Scotland, you would know who it was. <laughs> um, what's your take on that kind of middle part of the table, Paul? I mean, as Greg says, it does look like you're only betting for one place. And I think top six markets never really won any interest to me unless you, you think one of the real outsiders is going to get in. I don't really want to be back in 10-11 St. Johnston, 10-11 Livingston for basically what is one place. Sport. If I thought Ross County or Hamilton or St. Mirren would have a chance of a top six finish, then I'd be more interested in them. They're 7-1 they're, they're to one and 10-1 to one for, for a top six finish. I don't fancy them for it. So that's why on this particular market, I, I would gladly leave again until the season's going on and then you find that the bookmakers are maybe missing out on the fact that a team is likely to, to make that top six. They've started really well. I mean, I think Motherwell, even six or seven weeks into the season, you were still getting odds against on them for a top six finish. Now, again, that was because the market was still supporting Hearts and Hibs quite, yeah. quite well for, for a top six finish. So, therefore, the percentage made up uh, a lot for Motherwell. I mean, I mean, I think even even from Christmas, you were still probably getting halves at a short price for for a top six finish. Um, so again, that was that was helping the Motherwell price stay pretty solid. So again, it's a, a case of as you get further into the season, which teams are the bookies still overrating compared to which teams are the underrating, and where does that fit into to the the finishing position markets, and and where does the value lie? And that, that's where I, I like to wait until the season's a little bit underway to see what, what teams that, that may be. It's an interesting take on it because I think a lot of people look at these markets and think they're very much anti-post markets. Yeah. You know, and people, I know I'm guilty of certainly maybe getting involved in a mad rush to get these bets on before the season kicks off and then just forgetting about them. Don't You don't yeah. even consider that they, they still run and play effectively as the season goes on. So it's really interesting to hear from a punter's point of view, that you as a punter maybe look at them uh, 
after a certain period of time after some yeah. games or going by. And obviously not just from a punting perspective as well. I mean we do we do the top four markets for the championships League One and League Two. And mm-hmm. again, those are the ones where where it's really interesting of right, what teams are going to improve, what teams are the bookies still underrated. I mean we had Park Thistle for a, a top four finish um, last season when, when he, <laughs> but that was when Ian McCall took over um at Christmas time again. Yeah. And then I think they signed um, they signed the boy Zach Rudden from can't remember if he was on loan from Rangers or whatever. Rangers, he, yeah. Where he moved the Plymouth at the time, and again it looked a really good signing. And then it was all of a sudden, what price of Parrick Thistle for the top four? And I, I would start thinking to myself, well, if you were be- if you were betting just on pure stats and uh, and and you thought no one was wanting to back them, there were probably a forty to one chance. What, what price were people prepared to back them at? Well, people were backing them at five, six to one. Um, and even then you were thinking, oh, well, they only need to, the league was so tight anyway, they would only needed to go on a, a win and run of three or four games, which yeah. was easy easy enough or should be easy enough in, in the championship. And again, bearing in mind that, that Parag Thistle started, I think, second favourite, third favourite for the league. Yeah, it's maybe something Greg and I need to kind of pencil in is have a review of some of these markets as the season goes on and look for some of that value, you know, the longer term bets rather than, you know, just taking on the week-to-week fixtures, Greg? Yeah, definitely. I think it's worth looking at. And I think, as you kind of pointed out a few minutes ago, you've got another, what, certainly in the Scottish Premiership, you've got another two months now until the transfer window um, closes. And in terms of understanding how things are going to take shape in League 1 and League 2 and the Championship with two months left to go, you're really going to have to wait until October time to, to get a real feel for it. Yeah, I, I mean, it can work both ways, though, I suppose. I mean, if you maybe look at, I don't know, Motherwell just now, I mean, they've got they've got a squad where some clubs might come in and take some of their players. So suddenly, the squad that looks good and played really well last season, you know, they could lose the likes of Donnelly or Turnbull, um, you know, and suddenly they're not as attractive a proposition to finish in, the higher reaches of the league. Um, whereas I think Livingston's a really interesting one. Livingston, well, yeah, Livingston overachieved ob- last year. It's the obvious one, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can't see Livingston, although they speak about them top six, I'm probably just doing that out of courtesy to any Livingston fan listening. <laughs> but I don't think Livingston will finish top six next season. I think they overexcelled last season. And if they lose Dykes, that's going to be a real, real blow for them. And I think they might that may happen still. I think... The pitch may even just be a factor, we've touched on it before, about the record at home. And you'd like to think that teams will be a wee bit wiser uh, going to Livingston, you know, that you'd, season. You'd, so. Yeah, you'd, you'd hope so. I think they won eight games last season, which was the second, third most in the league. Um, and there's nothing down to that other than they enjoy playing in that pitch. And mentality-wise and psychologically, clubs, even before they've kicked off, just hate going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't, this isn't going out live, lads, is it? Nope. <laughs> some, some, somebody's just a tenner on Aberdeen at sixty-six to one. Then. <laughs> there you go, mate. Moving, moving markets. <laughs> Sorry, that was me. <laughs> okay, so the, the other one I used to was maybe winding me up. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, so the other market we're going to have a look at is the relegation market, Greg. Yeah, I think. Sorry, Hamilton fans. Um, I think most people apologise, but every season, who's going to go down? hands up and it's going to be Hamilton um, I can't see Hamilton improving in last season I mean, we speak about team strengthening and getting better 
are Hamilton going to be any better than last season? And especially in this climate now, I can't see that happening. They've been in the league now for what, their seventh season, which is quite remarkable to be fair. Uh, but I think they're in for a long slog again this season. Um, and it's going to be bottom two, bottom three for them pretty much for the full season. Ross County's a difficult one. Again, I can't see Ross County improving much. And I think, again, they could struggle next season. Obviously, Uncle Roy McGregor may chuck some money at it, as he has done in the past. But, again, looking at their squad, it's definitely not strengthened anywhere or got, or got better. St Mirren's, for me, is the one club at the three of them who potentially have done OK, I would say, transfer-wise um, so far. They've brought in some decent players, I'd say, so far. I think St Mirren should be OK. But I think out of the three of them, for me, Hamilton looked like the one that's probably going to struggle the most. But again, it's going to be a really crucial couple of months before the transfer window ends to see who they bring in. Yeah, for me, this is a really difficult market. I, I, it's really hard to decide between those three. I think we've kind of touched on the United, and maybe it's just their reputation. I don't know. Um, but I think they might be okay. I think they'll probably benefit from that wee bounce that they'll get is coming up as champions. Um, their tails will be up. Um, they'll be looking to make their mark. And as you say, it just looks like it's going to be another slog down there for the likes of St Mirren, Ross County and Hamilton. It does. The, the only thing I would say, and what we probably haven't factored in yet, is the fact that for the first couple of months anyway, well, yeah, definitely for the first two or three months, these matches are going to be, be played behind closed doors. So we've got no idea at all what impact that's going to have on home sides, i.e. a Hibs at home to Hamilton. Well, I would ask you, what do you think that's had an impact on, you know, the leagues that have managed to get games going? Um, I know certainly it was at Germany in the first few weeks, there was a a disproportionate amount of away wins. Yeah, I think that went on for quite a while, actually, in terms of the percentage of away wins in Bundesliga uh, pre Covid to post Covid, um, the percentage of away wins after lockdown was was massive yeah. in comparison to when um, matches kind of stopped before we we finished for Covid. So, and I think a lot of people as well speak about how will Rangers and Celtic do at home, rather than having 60,000 fans behind them, they're playing in a massive massive stadium uh, behind closed doors. Is that going to have an impact? I don't think it will personally. Again, these are all the unknowns at the moment that we know nothing about. Yeah, I mean, my take on it is, is that these guys are professional footballers. They're paid to go and, and win football matches. And that yep. works both ways. And I would I would argue that sometimes it might work in Celtic Rangers' favour, not having you know a crowd there sometimes if they've not scored within the first 20 minutes. Maybe um, Ibrox, not so much at Celtic Park. Maybe not. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, personally, I don't think it will have a huge impact. I mean, there's definitely, there is definitely, there's two things I noticed, certainly in, in England anyway, not not so much in the, in the other leagues, probably because the, the, the referee, referees games differently, but there was far less cards in the, the English Premier League on the return. And I think that'll be, that'll be the case in Scotland as well. I think the, the referees will be less, under less pressure and the atmospheres will just not be there in order to... To, to give cards, I think it was the, the Merseyside derby, wasn't there? I think there was only one card or something in that game, which which would be unheard of. If there yeah, was it must be a record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that I think that has an impact, and I do think for the the, the teams where certainly the players as well, that 
a lot of the ones that let the fans get to them and put them under pressure, I think it helps them relax more that there aren't fans there and they try things that they maybe wouldn't try and if a mistake's made, the crowd aren't getting on their back. So I think it, it probably does help some of the, the lesser teams in, in this situation where they could they could relax a bit more. Um, it's an interesting point you made, Paul, about the booking. So I had this conversation with a few guys on Twitter last week about the English Premiership and just how card bear it's been in comparison when you look behind closed doors in Spain especially in Italy yeah. these games are getting five six seven eight cards every game you look through the English Premiership you're getting games with no cards one no. card I, I think know. the um, FA Cup semi-final between <coughs> Arsenal and Man City got one card yeah. could no, you imagine no team, Hibs playing no Celtic? team should be nah, no team should be getting put out a cup semi-final without taking a couple of cards absolutely <laughs> It's, um, I'm, I'm asking the question, why is that? I think you made the point about the English referees being a bit more lenient and not being yeah. swayed by crowds. And I think you're absolutely right. I think that could happen in Scotland. And yeah, that takes us on to, obviously, Saturday's games. The, a big tackle goes in the first five minutes and the, the crowd are, oh, the referee's likely to book them. doesn't matter when that tackle goes in in Spain, the referee yeah. will book them if it seems that it's a foul. Yeah. Whereas in, in, in the UK, we referee games completely different. So therefore, it, it has an impact on, on the card markets. And that takes us nicely on to Saturday then. Match day one, first game of the season, half past 12, Aberdeen v Rangers. Now normally, you're thinking of a lot of, <laughs> no love lost between these two. First game of the season, bound to be cards, yeah. full house. Yeah. But for Fence me, up. it's a yeah. sit and watch it and don't well, get involved at all. Every player's going to get booked now after us saying that. <laughs> but I don't think we've put everybody said watch. off the bookings, and now everybody's going to get booked. <laughs> but normally I'd be on bookings for this game, but would, for me, yeah. I'm just going to sit back and watch it because you just don't know. And I think those factors about there being no fans there, that hostile atmosphere between when these two sides meet, and the referees being a bit more lenient, um, I think it's probably best left alone until we kind of suss it out. I, I, I think so, definitely. definitely. I mean, just going back to that to finish bottom, I mean, we, we are short as Hamilton. I mean, I agree with everything Greg, Greg said there. That I, I mean, two reasons why we're short them. One, we think this pot probably is the year for them. And, and two, we actually know that the market thinks that this will be the year for them as well. So <laughs> it, it makes sense to be to be a little bit short them. We're actually short as Dundee United 92. Um, I think I've seen 13 to 2 around. There might be even, even bigger than that. Um, on them, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't mind a bit of the thirteen to two Dundee night to finish bottom. Um, when they played the better teams last year in the Scottish Cup, I mean, they, they did actually well against Hibs in the in the, the first round, the first game, in the replay it was a bit easier. Shanklin did well in those games, but there was a period last season where Shanklin wasn't playing, and Dundee United really, really struggled. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, think if you look at United last season, between the start of the season and, and Christmas time, they were just relentless. But they then yeah. went on this run of games where they were getting beat, nil nils, one nils, and they went up as champions, obviously, and deserved champions, but they hardly went up um, firing in all cylinders, did they? Yeah, no, that that's I mean, I, 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 I seen them, I seen them a lot last season, and, and they, they, they were great at grinding out results, but then, uh, there was never anything overly impressive by them not that they need to be overly impressive to, to stay up in this league either um, but I think I think they could be the ones that 
that, that there are a bit of value on because we are thinking they're going to get the automatic bounce. But remember, they've not played again for so long. Um, where's this bounce necessarily going to come from? And that bounce comes to... from having a full house at Tannadice, but they're not going to have. Exactly. And exactly. they've got a manager in there now who I think we can agree is a, is a bit left field at the, the appointment. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think there could be a bit of that. They would be my ones at a bigger price if I was to back back anyone. As I say, we 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 are um, we are shortest them to to finish bottom. I think than any other bookmaker for that reason. Um, yeah. I could easily see them saying up as well, but I just don't think that they're. I don't think I don't think that they're that much better than St Mirren and Ross County. Put it that way, mm. and that's why for me they're they're all around the, a, a similar price. And again, another team who appear to be really reliant on their star striker. So that's us kind of talked about Lyndon Dykes, Sam Cosgrove, uh, you mentioned Brophy at Kilmarnock, Greg uh, Shankland at Indy United. And, you know, we've still got several weeks until a transfer window draws to a close. So it's crucial for these guys, these teams to hang on to these guys. And if they don't hang on to these guys and get some money for them, then who are they going to bring in to replace them? Well, I, I'd actually heard that that Shankland, rather than leave at the January transfer window, when obviously he was getting touted about a lot of a, a lot of clubs, that he wanted to stay to to win the league for Dundee United and then potentially move in the summer. Now, obviously, everything's changed over whether that's going to be possible because of the fact that clubs aren't necessarily going to be buying players anymore, paying big transfer transfer wages so, so all that might change but that would have made perfect sense could have left in January didn't stayed won the title for United and then and then got his big move um, now's the right time for Shankland to leave Dundee United when his stock's high yes he yeah. starts the Premier League season and doesn't yep. score then the question's going to be can't do it at the, can't do it at the highest level yeah yeah. Despite, before he needs to prove himself, then it's a perfect time. Despite being a Scotland internationalist as well now. <laughs> well, yeah. I think come January, if he scored double figures by January, or hit towards double figures by January, then you would definitely expect somebody to come in for him. But yeah, like you say, it's a, big, a big ask. it's a big ask for him now. Um, no longer really in the shop window, given the fact there's no shoppers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, just to kind of recap some of those anti-post bets, then, Greg, what's your kind of highlights in terms of who you would be who you'd be backing at this stage? So, I think at the moment, um, I do like the look of Kelly to finish bottom six at ten to eleven, but like I said before, there's not much of a difference between Kelly, Livingston, St Johnston, really. Um, I think it's a bit it's a bit short for me ten to eleven. Uh, Hamilton at two, I want to finish bottom. I think. This is the season for Hamilton's. Sorry, Hamilton fans, but I think the stars have aligned. And um, to I be fair, one is decent. Had we been doing this podcast for the last seven years, we'd probably have said the exact same thing. Oh, we would have absolutely. I'd hold my hand up and say every season, I would also say Hamilton. <laughs> well, clock, clock's right twice a day, so yeah, indeed. Um, other than that, there's nothing really jumping out. I think as Paul said, there Hibs at seventy two look big to finish third. Uh, I think it will be a direct fight between Hibs and Aberdeen um, for that third and fourth place. Um, but there's nothing else really jumping out at the moment, really, for me. I think Hamilton to finish bottom 2-1 to one, um, is actually not a bad place, to be fair. And from your point of view, Paul? 
Yeah, I mean, I'd want to be on Hamilton to finish bottom as well at, at two to one. As I say, we're shortest them six to four. I mean, we're shortest Edward for top goal scorer as well. I mean, I, I think there's a lot bigger than that available. No reason why he won't end up top goal scorer again this year. By far the best player in the league. Um, Celtic haven't really got another striker yet. Of course, they might look to buy somebody, bring somebody else in, but it looks like Griffiths is out of favour. Um, they've got they've got the guy coming back, Kleimala uh, again. I mean, a few people have asked for him to be top goal scorer. I just don't think I don't think he's going to get enough games. No, I don't think he's going to get enough games. I think when it comes to the big games, Lennon and all will always turn to Edward. Yeah. So yeah. Um, until you know who Rangers' other striker is going to be, I think that that that's a decent a decent bet. Yeah, and it's interesting. You were talking about not having Morelos priced up, and you're not the only one. I've not seen any bookie. I think there's three that I've seen with top goal scorer markets, and none of them even have Morelos in the in the running. Um, looks yeah. like. I mean, it's a little bit naughty because it takes. We don't want to include them because it takes out so much percentage. So you could put it. You could go a bit shorter a couple of others, and then when they make some new signings, then um, you could add. You could add the market in quite well. Obviously, if anyone does want to back them, we would quote them a price and would 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 let them let let people back them. But mm-hmm. uh, that's the why. That's the reason why the, the bookies have left them out. And the likes of Dykes and Shankland, for example, let's just say Morelos goes and Rangers make a move for one of those two. You know, when you've maybe backed Shankland at, what, 25s, 33s, how does that affect the bet? Well, I mean, if Shankland signed for Rangers, I mean, you'd go from a 28-1 chance to to a 6-1 chance. But in terms of your 20-1 bet is Shankland. It's still Shankland. Western the United, it's just Shankland. Just Shankland, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, so if you could, yeah, if you think Rangers are going to sign, and that's, do you know what? I think that's why Lyndon Dyke's such a short price as well, because bookies have probably priced up the fact that he might end up at Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shanklinder is priced up because he could equally score that many goals at, at Dundee United. But, um, I mean, Lyndon Dyke, you're thinking, oh, he might end up at Rangers, so let's go a couple of points shorter on him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we're going to have a wee quick look at the weekend fixtures before we wrap up. We've already touched on the Rangers-Aberdeen game, Greg, but there's a there's a, a bet that won't surprise many people that you've been telling me about for the last couple of weeks that you've had your eyes on. Yeah, I was quite surprised to see them as big as this. So, Hibs are at home to Kilmarnock on Saturday. And as I said before, I think Hibs looking pretty good, Nick. They've recruited well in the summertime. Kilmarnock, for me, a bit of an unknown still. Kilmarnock tend to sign a lot of players you know nothing about. So, looking at Kelly's squad, it's, it's pretty solid still. They've got some really good professionals in there. I think they'll be hard to beat Kilmarnock. But I just fancy Hibs. I think they're best play 65 actually to win this game. Um, and I'm probably going to bite the bullet on the first day of the season and take Hibs at odds against at home. Good going forward. Ship a lot of goals last season, obviously. Come on, it don't ship a lot of goals. Normally, I would take Hibs to score two here rather than Hibs to win the match. But I guess there's just so many unknowns with it being the first game of the season. Uh, and I'm not quite sure yet what kind of place Kilmarnock are in. So I'm going to take Hibs at 6-5 um, to win this match. I think they're 11-10 in most places. Uh, yep, I'm just looking at Hibs to score too because I thought that might be a bet that you, <laughs> that you might fancy as an alternative. Uh, Hibs are 11-10 to score two or more with bet 3-6-5. Yeah, nine times out of ten, I would always take the um, two-plus goals rather than Hibs to win. 
but I think with it being the first game of the season, there might be KG, no fans there, obviously. So I, I'm not. It's not even a nap for Saturday, to be fair. No, I was um, going to say that. I mean, it's obviously first week of the season. We're always loath to go big on any market yeah. in terms of first couple, couple of weeks. Hips, but yeah. I, I do think they can get the job done. Anything standing out for you, Paul? Yeah, I mean, what I like to do certainly at the start of the season, and, and even even as the season goes on is even if I don't think the team will win, if I think that the favourite's weak, then I'd be prepared to to take a chance, especially if they're at home. So St Mirren, outsiders at home to Livingston, nearly think some bookies are 2-1 to one first game this season. As Greg says, they've made a couple of good signings. I think that's, that's a bit of value. And... There's not much in the game, but at the moment, Dundee United are slight outsiders against St. Johnson at home. So even though home advantage is such in this in this time won't really make too much difference, we don't we don't think. Um, those are two games, aren't they? That no no scoreline surprise you. No, those two no. matches. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, but I, I just think both them offer offer a bit of value. I'd back I'd back both them up minus one on the handicap as well. And if they do win, they, and they're just as likely to win two 0 as as two one or two one, so that, that that's my betting technique. Um, Are you a rich man, Paul? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's Clearly interesting. not when I'm speaking to you guys on a Tuesday, on a Tuesday night on a podcast <laughs> from the home rather than rather than the Bahamas. Yeah, you should have somebody else doing this for you, really, shouldn't you? Um, I think it's an interesting take. As you both say, there's nothing between uh, the teams, really, especially at this stage, until we know how things are going to settle down. So uh, it's a decent shout, I think. I think Motherwell go to Ross County, don't they? Is that Monday? Monday, yeah. Monday night. Again, I think Motherwell are favourites for that match, and probably rightly so. But first game of the season, away up to Ross County. Ross County, difficult to beat up in Dingwall. It's not a match I would touch, but again, no scoreline there would surprise me either. I know that's not much help to anyone. <laughs> no scoreline would help anyone, but it is that early in the season and the games look finely balanced. And there's probably not much value really on Celtic's home game against Hamilton. Yeah, you do. Uh, you're probably talking minus three anyway, probably. Make it minus two. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Hamilton pushed them pretty strongly last season it took a, a late Scott Brown goal to get a winner against them so having said that there's been occasions where Hamilton have taken some severe defeat, defeats at the likes of Celtic Rangers as well so uh, yeah never quite sure Celtic usually turn up on the first game of the season to be fair but then that's in front of 60,000 fans so yeah it definitely feels like just the way things are probably just best take it easy for the opening week or two um, we'll just be happy if all games go ahead, won't yeah, we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we're, getting, we're getting asked for a price on a, a game to be postponed because a COVID test didn't come through. Well, I'm just looking at the Dundee United, Hibernian, and St Mirren and Motherwell fourfold is around the 34-35 to 1 mark. So I might have a wee quid on that based on your guys' advice. Keep my fingers crossed on it. Okay. That has been absolutely fascinating. Thank you very much, guys. I think that sets us up nicely for the start of the season. Uh, plenty of advice in there for our listeners, which is fantastic. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but after, what, three and a half, four months, I think, as you say, Paul, we'll just be glad to see some competitive Scottish football again. Oh, uh, so 
really looking forward to it this weekend and hopefully it won't be too long before us fans are allowed back in the stadium as well so that's us for this special edition of the Gamble podcast thank you very much to Paul for joining us thanks Paul no worries um, and I'm going for the season going to give uh, McBookie a wee plug just to say that there's my right saying it's a £10 welcome bonus a sign up bonus on offer for new members there Scottish residents only though Paul so I know you're saying you've got a few international listeners so we'll be disappointing disappointing them um, yeah our opening offers for Scottish residents only that's alright we've still got plenty of Scottish listeners those are the ones that can understand our accents <laughs> <laughs> who don't, don't contact us on Twitter asking for a, a kind of a written version <laughs> of what we've discussed so uh, yeah if you don't already have a McBookie account and you are a resident in Scotland then certainly worth checking out if you're going to be following us here on the podcast uh, on the Scottish Football I'm sure we'll be mentioning them throughout the season as it goes on uh, I think what we'll do as well is obviously once the Championship League One and League Two games resume in October. We'll definitely be doing a similar version of this yeah. for for those leagues. Yeah, hopefully we've not scared Paul too much that he won't come back. <laughs> um, so Greg and I will be back uh, later in the week with our usual podcast covering our other weekend bets. So keep an eye out for those. And in the meantime, hope you enjoy the opening weekend of Scottish football and best of luck with your bets. Yep, thank you.